All right, good morning. Welcome, good to see you. I'm Clayton. The first thing we're gonna do today, so today is Celebration Sunday. So we have new people joining our church family uh, all morning. We have one in this room, and uh, today that is Mike. So Mike, I'm gonna have you come forward. So kind of how the process works is it's a six-week class where we uh, share our core values, we get to know each other. Hopefully you have a good time. Mike always had a good time. He always brought three or four drinks with him. And so he was always very well hydrated. Um, but uh, we want to welcome him as a family. And then uh, we're going to bless him. And then we're going to move into our Sabbath moments. Does that sound good? So come stand up here, Mike. All right, if you would, we're going to bless him. Would you put out your hand towards him? We're going to pray for him. And we're glad that he's joining our church. So Father, today we just, we bless Mike. We are full of joy because um, he's full of joy. He brings so much life and energy uh, to this building. And he is already excited uh, to become part of this church and to welcome and to jump in. And so we're just grateful for him. So we pray you bless him today and the days to come. Uh, might he uh, just come to know you more. We pray that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome. Good job. He looks sharp there, doesn't he? All right. Second part this morning before we move into worship is our Sabbath moment. Uh, does everybody remember the, fir- the four words for Sabbath that we're trying to practice? Cease, rest, embrace, feast. Cease, rest, embrace, feast. So each week we've been inviting you to as a, at your own home, by yourself, with friends, with family, whoever you're with, to, to partake in Sabbath, to move into Sabbath on Saturday night, to share a meal, to slow down, to unplug, and just to come into worship, recenter, and just enjoy each other throughout the day. So this month, the theme has been gratitude. Did anybody get one of these, the Count Your Blessings books? So my family's been doing this. I'm just going to read you one of our days. Uh, it's really fun for me to try to synthesize what my three- and four-year-olds say. This was Wednesday. This is what they were grateful for. Snuggles on the couch, giant sugar cookies, veggie tails, sitting with mommy, Jesus music, helping friends, and then knowing that Jesus hugs the people that we miss. So this past year, we've lost some people from our family. And so they think, we're glad that Jesus takes care of them still. That's what we've been doing as a family. It's been really fun to do this every night. They look forward to this. So if you don't have one of these, count your blessings. They're right outside, so grab one. And uh, I just want to invite you for a couple minutes with whoever you're with. One, has being grateful done anything to you this month? Has it changed your perspective at all? Or you could say one to two things that you're grateful for today. Sound good? I know it's early, but there's still things. Ready, set, Go. All right. Thanks for sharing. Keep thinking about today. Keep counting your blessings. It's a lot of fun. Um, as we move into worship, I just want to pray for us. Um, and then, uh, boy, the, the set this morning is fantastic. It's one of my favorites. All right. So, Father, we love you. Um, we are grateful that we get to gather today. That we can recenter, we can refill, that we can spend time with you together. Uh, we welcome you into this space. Uh, we say, come Holy Spirit, would you come? Uh, would you get to be yourself today? So as we move into worship, we confess anything that will keep us from you. Anything we're anxious about for later, remembering from the past, would you remove those things from our minds um, so we can just be attentive and we can be with you? So we are grateful for this day. We are grateful for worship. We're grateful for you. Pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, my name is Clayton. If you don't know me, I'm on the team here. I am filling in today for Tim Brand. Uh, Tim's dad, Denny, uh, um, is 
been battling cancer for quite a while. And uh, today, this week was a tough week. And so Tim asked if he could be present with his family. And so we, of course, honored that. Um, a while back, someone filled in for me as uh, my father-in-law was dealing, was dealing with his own battle with cancer. So it's an honor to be here. I asked him how we could pray for him today and his family. Um, and he asked we'd pray for clarity, peace, unity, and that his dad would finish well. So if you will, would you pray with me? when going to lift up the Brand family, and then we'll get going. So, Father, we, uh, I was asking that you would, would you really send your Holy Spirit to be very, very present with the entire Brand family. Where they have a moment with you this morning, where they just deeply, deeply, deeply sense your presence. And as they sense your presence, would they have clarity about the future? Would they have your peace, which is your presence? And might there be great unity in their family as they move through these days. And we pray for Denny that um, every moment left on this earth would be holy and different and set apart. Um, and uh, yeah. So we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for praying with me. Um, so this is, uh, this is week 11 of 12 in Ecclesiastes. And uh, I don't know if we know, at the very beginning we talked about this, I think, but this has been one of the books we've been using as a team to get ready. It's called Against the Grain. And so I've just been reflective as we're moving towards the end. And I actually have a test for us at the end of today to see how we're doing. Like in semesters, right, you finish the semester, there's a test. Are you retaining the knowledge? Are you retaining what's happening? So we're going to have a test for you today. But Against the Grain, I thought uh, Tom's stories last week beautifully illustrated this. If you remember them last week, all these stories of real life where people were I'm making decisions that were not good, but they say, Tom, this, this is just the way the world works. Get over it. Get used to it. This is the way of the world. Reminded me of a story. I heard a person in a real estate market, not this market, different cities, a booming market. And uh, in this, on her team, everyone was cooking the books. They were making more rooms and houses, increasing square footage, changing pictures, just to get people inside the house to make a sale. And this person said, I'm not going to do that. I, I don't think that's the right thing to do. She lost her job. So the teacher's asking us, according to this book, he thinks, to live against the grain, to live differently. It's not always very fruitful to live against the grain. But as I was reading Ecclesiastes, it's also not always fruitful to move with the grain. There seems to be a whole lot of mystery both directions. So what I'm taking home, the teachers bring before us for the last 11 weeks that life is not in your control. You cannot control your life. There's a, we got a Peloton bike a few years back when it was first coming out from some friends or from some families, a gift. And uh, uh, there's a teacher on the coach, whatever they want to call him. And he always says, I am, I can, I will, I do. Right, you're riding your bike. I am, I can, I will, I do. Well, I think the teachers say, there's only one I am. It's not you. And sure, you can on a bike, but I don't know if you can in life. And so you can't always do it. And even if you will, it's not going to happen. You can't. So I am, I can, I will, I do. That's what we are hearing if you move with the grain of culture. And the teacher's saying, no, it's not going to work. A friend of mine, I spoke with him this week. He's playing football. And he was just making a cut. Just He planted to make a cut to go the other way. He's like, I don't know what happened. Spiral fracture. Season over. Wheelchair for a couple weeks. Crutches for a couple weeks. Just, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Like, that's kind of what happens in life. You plant, go a different direction, thinks the right thing, Gone. Teachers bringing us in front of us, taking a really honest look for 11 weeks now at life. I, for one, have really appreciated this series. Um, when we started this series, I'll just say this. Uh, we're going to end today 
thinking about heaven. And heaven moves me right now, more than ever. When we started this series, week one of this series, I sat, I was sitting with my father-in-law in his hospice bed, watching this series. I'm like, man, so much of life has happened in 11 weeks. It's crazy what can happen in a really short time, 77 days. Hmm. So my sentence for today, as I look at Ecclesiastes 11, is living eternally present. To borrow his words, to have a a perspective that is above the sun so I can live under the sun. Living eternally present. And I got that from, I heard someone say this. I'm not sure who said it or where they said it. I think it's reliable. It says, Christians, as followers of Jesus, we live with an eternal perspective. We live in light of eternity in the present. We say we don't spend a lot of time in the future and we don't spend a lot of time in the past. We know they're there, but we don't spend time there. We spend time knowing what's to come, so it changes how we live today. So I've been drilling into that a little bit, and I asked some people about that. They said, well, you want to know why? I said, why? He says, in the future, that's where all my anxieties lie. I am, I can, I will, I do. Well, I think I can do this. Like, what? I do this. Like, this is my next plan. I'll do this. I'm not saying that the future's bad, but when I think I can control the future, that's bad. Because I get anxious about things I cannot control. They keep me awake at night. In Jesus' words, anxiety, worry strangles the life out of us. This person said, we don't spend a lot of time in the future. And so we also spend a lot of time in the past. Because in the past, we think, what if? What if? What if this happened? What if we learned this sooner? What if I had said this? He said, we end up just being really depressed. So we live in light of eternity in the present. We have a perspective above the sun to live under the sun, according to the teacher. So I was like, all right. So I'm, I'm starting to wrap my mind around this a little bit. Let's look at scripture. Looked up Bible verses about the future. I literally Googled that. And I found a bunch. I found like a hundred. Not all of them worked, but listen to some of these. Thinking that we have to live in the light of eternity in the present. Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a person, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 16.3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. It's a lot of Proverbs. What about from James? Come now, he says. I love how he says, come now. Come now, he says. Today or tomorrow, we'll, we'll say we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Come now. I love you. That made me laugh this morning. What is your life? He says, for you are a mist. What's Hevel? What are we saying? Smoke, vapor, mist. For you are a mist. Hevel. Oh, in the New Testament. It's like the whole Bible kind of works together. It's kind of weird. For a little and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll live and do this. So we make a plan. Yeah, there's a future. Make a plan. If the Lord wills. It's a different perspective. Or Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Who of you by worrying, that's the worry strangles us, can add a single hour to his life? Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, his kingdom, his relationships, his perspective, and all these things will be given to you as well, the things you need. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow, worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. So there's not like a, a negligent like disregard for the future. It's just a different perspective of the future. Right? I'm finding the Bible. And I think also with the past. 
seems to be what the teacher is saying. So in Ecclesiastes 11, we're going to walk through it today. We're going to walk through the whole thing and I have a test at the end. Uh, let's see here. Living eternally present. That's the sentence. And I learned last week, because my dad did a whole sermon on the first six verses. So if you want more, go watch that. Double dip. But uh, he said that translators have a hard time with this passage, which means I am in a bad spot. So, but what was funny to me was I kept reading the passages and I kept seeing Jesus. I kept hearing words from Jesus in all the verses. Now, I know the teacher did not know who Jesus was. I know that it's a lot later, but I kind of wonder if maybe today, and I thought about this and I saw the playlist and it was all about Jesus, King Jesus, that if he's our translator today a little bit as you work through this, all right? So one through six, we're living eternally minded. Seven through 10, it's more about the present, all right? So living eternally present. So if we're to have, so one through six is about being eternally minded. To be eternally minded means we have to have faith. Faith means we have to trust someone, to have faith in someone, right? And so my favorite synopsis of the good news is really simple. It's just that God's in charge and I can trust him. I've heard something that it boils down just to that. So that's why I get to heaven. I mean, that's part of it, but it's just God's in charge and I can trust him. But that's kind of hard. I have to exercise that trust. I have to exercise that faith. So let's start working through and uh, we'll let Jesus translate the passage for us today. So verse one says, ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. It's a proverb. Do eight, not seven. Eight's better than seven. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Essentially, as I understand it, just means just be generous. Invest in acts of kindness and in charity. So I thought of Jesus about making an investment. He tells this parable about a master who has three workers. And he gives these workers different amounts of talents, different amounts of money. He says, go do something with it. The first two do. They invest. They grow it. And he comes back. The master does. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Great job. Here's more. I gave you some. You invest it. I'll give you some more. But then there's a third one. And the third one, who's probably concerned about the future, or perhaps a member in the past, just holds on to his money, holds on to his talents, doesn't do anything with it. And the master says, you failed. You will not come with me. You will not be in my presence. Those are the words of Jesus. A failure to be generous reveals a heart posture which is not in line with his and we will not be with him if we are not generous, if we don't invest. Because you don't know when disaster may come. So with a little urgency, be a blessing to other people. I thought of another story of Jesus about a rich fool who had tons and tons of money. He didn't want to share any of the money. So he builds these huge silos for all of his money, all of his grain. And that night he dies. And the people he didn't want to share with, what happens in the story? They go and take the grain. There's some urgency in this generosity, according to the teacher, I think. Get going. Invest. Be generous. Kindness. Be, I have a sweatshirt. So it just says, be kind. I love it because people remind me all the time that I'm wearing it. Some people say to me, don't tell me what to do. And so that always makes me laugh. Anyways, verse three. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. 
Whether she falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. That makes sense. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at clouds will not reap. I take it as clouds rain, trees fall. Don't sit watching the wind. Don't just stare at the clouds. Do something. Get on with your life. He said, we live eternally present. We must spend time in the future. Kind of sounds like we also don't spend a ton of time in the past. Just sitting and waiting, sitting and watching. Like, let's get going. We have some investing to do. We have, the kingdom is growing. Let's get going, says Jesus. As you do not know the path of the wind, verse 5, or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Life is full of mystery. Um, I'll tell this story. I have permission. So uh, life is full of mystery. So last week, um, I heard in the other room that the, the things that are hard in this life make us homesick for heaven. Right? And the things that are good in this life make us homesick for heaven. There's just so much mystery in it. And so I had some friends um, who, I, I tell a story, I was told to use an umbrella of mercy because I hope no one feels shame or blame or anything. I'm not sure what your life has been like. We had some friends who longed to have a family. And they worked through lots of different ways to maybe have a family. They finally became pregnant. And early in the pregnancy, they noticed that there's some things that are not, are not coming out right in the tests. So they're so excited. Can't believe it. Now, like, what is happening? And they learned their, pro- their child probably has Down syndrome. Okay. I said, well, actually, there's problems with the heart. There's problems with their neck and their brain. And they're actually encouraged to end the pregnancy by the doctor. And we watched our friends a perspective that's above the sun, to live under the sun, say, no. We've been waiting for this boy. He is ours. We will not say no. So they kept moving forward. They found a new doctor. The new doctor says, your child might have Down syndrome, but your child's going to be okay. And they just gave birth to this boy. It's a perspective as above the sun. Not knowing all the future that helped them live under the sun. There's so much mystery in life. Last week I heard in the other room that when my brother died, it's weird when people die. They just die. And you go home. I can't get over that. You're fighting, you're fighting, you're fighting. We went and got Culver's. It's just so strange. But to hear, last week, never knowing this, what he asked my mom to read to him. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. You know, we were chatting in the back earlier about 
what we do with all this hevel? You know, what goes with us? We say it's all smoke, it's all vapor. Like we, what goes with us? Our people do. People get to go. The earth will restore, the Lord will restore the earth, but people get to come with us. So I thought of something that Jesus said about the mysteries of life. It had to do with birth and wind. He was talking to a guy named Nicodemus about people who live with us forever. He said, to truly live today, you have to be born again. That's something that the Lord does. And I don't know how that works. I don't know what part I play in it or don't play in it or if my words matter, how they matter. I don't know how that works. I'm not sure how the Holy Spirit calls us who he calls, when he calls, I have no idea. Then he goes on to say, but like the wind, you know the wind's there, but you can't control the wind. The wind goes where it wants. Mystery in life. But to live under the sun, we have to see above the sun. So this is what the teacher goes on, verse six. So your seed in the morning, and that evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that whether both will do equally well. Jesus. So the farmer scatters his seed. It's just gross. I don't know how it grows. It gets bigger. He wakes up in the morning, it's changed. But you have to scatter seed. You have to invest in people, in relationships. I'm so struck by when we are eternally minded, I can be so patient with people. Right? If, I, if, if I believe in Jesus, I have moved into eternal life. It's already begun. It's not there yet, but we're already in. So I can be patient with people. Screw up again and again. That's why Jesus says, forgive 70, what, 70 times 7? 70, just forgive over and over and over again. He said, you can be patient with people. You have to guard your heart. You can be patient. You have to have respect of above the sun, to live under the sun. Live eternally present. We're not hanging out in the future. We don't know what's going to happen. We're not hanging out in the past because we can't change the past. But we can know what's coming and be here. So verses 1 through 6, uh, teacher's kind of saying, like, it's weird, right? I don't get it. Do you get it? I don't get it. I don't understand it. Life is weird to me. Life's confusing to me. God's in charge and you can trust him. I did a wedding recently. Brian talked about this. And uh, I used Ecclesiastes 1 as their wedding passage. <laughs> Took a second. I said, can I read? I, I, they gave me permission. I said, can I, can I just use a verse? They said, yeah, go ahead and do it. I said, meaningless, meaningless, said the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. The room was like, what? But I explained to Hevel. And I was driving to this wedding. It was in Indianola at the Red Acre Barn. I don't know. And there's this huge burn pile. Black billowing smoke. I was like, that's Hevel. I can see it, it's a thing, but I can't grab it. So in life, they want to be passionate people. I said, you want to be passionate people? Passionate here, passionate here. People are going to be wowed by you. They're going to think, wow, what do they have that I don't have? That's it. I said, later on in life, when your husband or your wife, you're working late, you can't disconnect from work, you touch their arm, say, honey, I love you. But it's Hevel. And I got to laugh out of the whole room. They like that. Hevel, it's a fun word. There's so much mystery. The good things and the bad things, I just love this, make me homesick for heaven. 
So we're eternally minded, one through six. In seven through ten, we become very present. The teacher goes on, light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. Let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is heaven. So if you don't know what is coming in the future, there's urgency here. Enjoy the light. Enjoy the sweet things. Enjoy the good things. Those are gifts from God. Don't, don't get stuck in the past. Don't get caught up in the future. We know it's going to come. Oh, be right here, right now. That's I've been loving Sabbath. Something's different in our house on Sabbath. Our girls seem to know it. We're present in the moment. They have so much fun. They hardly fight. It's amazing. They're three and four. My wife just sit and just watch them. No phones, no TV. We just sit and watch them. And they know it. And they just play for hours. It is the best day of the week. So I think of what Jesus said. Enjoy the light. Darkness comes. He's talking to his disciples. Upper room discourse. I have told you these things. Honest assessment of life. He says, a lot of hard things are coming. I told you these things so you can have peace. Words of Jesus. In this world, you'll have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. It's so strange to me. I didn't see just Jesus. It's like he's like, it's like the Bible is one unified story that leads to Jesus. It's kind of crazy, right? Ecclesiastes, who knew? You who are young, says the teacher, be happy while you are young and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. And, I think it says but, I read it should be and, Know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So what I learned is that the teacher is not saying, follow your heart. You know, to quote a well-known music, a well-known singer, it's not, it's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. That'd be Elsa from Frozen. Different kind of heart posture. He's talking to someone whose heart is in line with the Father's. What is now inside of your heart, let it come out of your heart. Follow your heart. Enjoy. I read one guy was reading that he was, uh, he was doing a, um, a commentary on this, and he had a 90-year-old friend who was climbing mountains still. He was, I think he's still young. So it's not necessarily an age thing. While you are young, while, while you still have vigor and passion in your heart for the things of God, do them. Do all of them all the way through life. Knowing there will be Judgment. But you know, uh, I've heard it in the other room before, judgment is like, if you believe in Jesus, judgment is just a continuation of our joy. Our joy actually gets bigger on judgment day. Because all the things, all the things we have done that are not good, they're gone. Jesus is back. Heaven has come. All the people I've longed for for forever are back. What a good stinking day. Judgment is the best day. It's not the worst day. If you don't know Jesus, it's a bad day. I can tell you that right now. But if you know Jesus, Bring on Judgment Day. I heard in the other room, I hate doing this, but I listened to the other room earlier because he was talking about this passage, and he said, 
Interestingly, the rabbis of old would say that you will be judged if you enjoyed the good gifts you received. So God's going to say, did you enjoy the things I gave you? Like, did you enjoy them? Like, I gave you this, and I gave you this, and I gave you this, and I gave you this. Did you enjoy them? It's a different kind of judgment. That was fascinating. I always think judgment's like a bad thing. He's like, did you enjoy the good things? He'll be the judge. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body for youth and vigor are meaningless. I thought of that passage I read earlier. Therefore I tell you, don't worry, don't be strangled about your life. Don't let the future strangle your today. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, which is what relationships, a good relationship here and a good relationship here and all those other things. Banish anxiety from your heart by what? By enjoying today, by being grateful today, not worrying about later because we know it's going to come. So I've been thinking, so how do, so a test. I love a good test. I didn't like tests in school. So there's a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And in it, he has this great, so this is where I was, so where this idea, idea comes from. How are we doing time? We're doing good. Okay. Uh, so he says, if you want to know if, you're, if, if hurry has consumed you, here's the test. How do you handle interruption? If your day gets interrupted, if you get really mad, really frustrated, if your words become ugly, guess how your heart's doing? Not good. But if you can have interruption happen and you can embrace it and you can see good things in it, if you can move with it, but your heart's doing pretty good today. So I'm thinking about Hevel. I've been talking about Hevel now for weeks. Thinking about our death is coming. How do we live today? How we eternally mind us, we can be present. I think the test is Sabbath keeping. I've been reading a book called Subversive Sabbath. And in it, the author says, we're never ready for Sabbath. There is always more stuff to be done. We could always check more things off the list. It's an intentional choice to say the hevel is not most important to me. So if I can't for a day cease, rest, embrace, and feast, the hevel owns me. I'm caught. I'm surrounded by smoke. I can't see the way out. So, let me be honest with you. I did not do a Sabbath this week. I had plans to. Stuff happened the week, and I missed it. We're in a practice today, but it's not within the seven days. So I say that because it's kind of hard to do. Different things come up. I didn't get it right. Which leads me to believe that the hevel... I am prioritizing some hevel in some way. So I just wanted to confess that. If anyone else is like, you know, wondering, well, I can't get Sabbath right. Well, neither can I. We're all trying our best. Let's keep working towards it. What I have noticed, though, is that Sabbath keeping has helped me. This whole series has helped me just enjoy moments. Uh, Becky Denoy, who's on her staff, calls them sneaky Sabbaths. You don't see them coming. But if you're present enough, you notice them. So I had this moment where I was, I think, eternally present. 
and it was hard, but it was so good. So don't judge us. We put up our Christmas tree already. It's just a season of goodness, right? The whole thing is good all the way through. But we're putting up our tree. And so my mom gives us pictures every year of our girls in that year with the year, right? So I'm sitting, watching my wife put up our tree. There's like real like nostalgic Christmas music on. I don't know. And I all of a sudden got really, really sad. Because I realized in 2018, right, after the, right before us, my brother had just died. And my father-in-law who just died was still alive. So I had, I, it's the weirdest thing. I had this moment where I was really sad. But I really enjoyed it. I was homesick for heaven. I had this beautiful moment with my family, which I loved. But then I thought of the people who I will see again. And I just sat there for about a half an hour and just watched and just enjoyed. I was homesick. I had, a, I had an eternally present moment. So songs that draw my heart towards eternity right now just choke me up every single time. So I'm going to the band come up. Because we're going to sing a song called Hymn of Heaven. And I listen to it all the time. Because I think it summarizes our series, what's being said here, and I hope what's happening in my heart. So I just want to read you some lyrics. Because I really hope that, I don't know, maybe we maybe blow the roof off in here for just a minute. It says, how I long to breathe the air of heaven where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets to look upon the one who bled to save me and walk with him for all eternity. And on that day, we join the resurrection and we get to stand beside our heroes of the faith. And with one voice, thousands of generations sing worthy is the lamb who was slain. The best part, forever he shall reign. I love the next line. So let it be today that we sing the hymn of heaven. Let it be today. Eternity insight. We can have a moment right now with our God. Because I think, I was this morning, I was in Revelation. There is music going on there right now. And they are singing there are people surrounding the throne, and they never stop singing. So as we join in today, we actually join in with the angels, with the people who have gone before in heaven, and we get to sing with them. i got to find this. Here we go. 
Yes, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. So would you, could we, could we stand up and could today be the day? Today, this day, could we sing the hymn of heaven.